Well, hey, good morning, church. It's so good. Thank you for that welcome. I love it. It's so uh, exciting for me to be here with you this morning. Would you um, do me a favor, grab your Bibles, grab your devices, and turn to Psalm 37 for me. We're going to be in Psalm 37 this morning, taking a look at the first six verses of that psalm. Um, I see a lot of familiar faces out here. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Marty, and I'm the small group pastor here at Harvest. And um, this is a really exciting time for me as a small group pastor as we're kind of getting closer and closer to kicking off the small group season here in just a, a little over a month. And uh, you know, you've heard this before, small groups are the, the heartbeat of our church. The Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. So, so we're really excited to be gathering together in groups here this fall. And if you call Harvest Home and you're not yet connected into a group, um, I pray that in the next couple of weeks we'll have sign-up tables at each and every service at both campuses that you would take that step to get connected into a group to allow people to come alongside you, encourage you, pray for you, and, and point you to Jesus. We all need that in our life. Um, I've been on uh, staff here for a little over three years. And, and prior to coming on staff here three years ago, I sold spine implants for a company called Stryker. And it was a very easy transition. It's like the same job, right? I, I kid, it's, it's it completely different. But I am so blessed to be on staff here and to get to, to meet with you and help shepherd and care for the people of our church. It's, it's been a great honor and joy for me. And, and I've been blessed with uh, an amazing family. Um, this year, my wife and uh, Dawn and I uh, celebrated 17 years of marriage. And uh, yes, I swear, uh, yes, it's awesome. Um, I, I swear each and every year I fall more and more in love with her. She is an amazing wife, a, a godly wife, and, and an amazing mom to our three kids. We've got, we've got three kiddos. Jack, who's 14, he's into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So if you're looking for a chokehold or an armbar, please come see him after the service. He'd be happy to demonstrate on you. Uh, Liam is our middle son. He's, uh, he's 12, and, and Liam is, is all in on sports. He's a great basketball player, a great soccer player, loves the outdoors, loves to hunt and fish as well. And then Grace is 11, and, and Grace is, is uh, so creative and so excited about being in the kitchen and baking and creating all of these great foods for us to eat. She's also um, an extremely talented dancer and um, fierce lacrosse player. And so I, we have just an incredible family, so excited to be doing life with them. We also have two fur babies. We've got uh, Winnie and Bella. Winnie's uh, the one on, uh, with the, the lighter color there. Bella is, is the chocolate one there. Uh, they're bungee doodles. And if you have questions about bungee doodles, my wife Dawn will be up here after the service. You can ask her all the questions about what a bungee doodle is. But um, that's our crew. Um, just, just really blessed by each and every one of them. So let's do this. Can we, can we just jump into our text this morning, Psalm 37, verse 1, and, and, and read these, these verses together. Verse 1 says, uh, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the er green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Um, psalm 37 is, is considered a wisdom psalm, so, so if you pay close attention, you're going to see a lot of connections all throughout the psalm to the book of Proverbs, right? A, Proverbs is a book of the Bible written by Solomon, known as the, the wisest man who ever lived. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, I know I am and could be well served by seeking and praying for 
wisdom in this season. If, if we're not, we probably should be. And so, so, so picture this. Here's, here's, here's a story I want to share with you. Um, just this past year, having a, a great night at small group. Um, we're kind of getting near the end. It's been great conversation. We've, been, we've prayed. And, and I remember that, that we've got some T-shirts that we have left to give out. Our Lift Up, Hold High, Love Well T-shirts. We've got a few of those left. And I want to bless the members of my small group with them. So I, as we're wrapping up split time with the men, I, I'm asking their size. And we're getting their, their sizes together and grabbing their shirts. And, and we, we kind of come back together with the ladies in our group. And, and I immediately start asking the women for their size right in front of everybody. And uh, I asked the first lady, and I say it right out loud in front of everybody, and she kind of hesitantly, sheepishly kind of gives me her size very quietly, and I'm clueless to how quiet the room is getting around me. And I, and I get to say, I'm like, okay, great, and then I go to the next woman, and I'm like, hey, what's your size? Well, I'm going to get your shirt. What's your size? And all she could do was just very, I had this panicked look, and just looking at my wife who's behind me, and I'm starting to kind of clue in like something's not right. And I turn to look at my wife who has this look of horror and embarrassment and just like, what are you doing? And um, I tried to drown out the laughter around me. And, and as soon as the, the laughter kind of died down, my, my wife um, looked at me and was like, babe, um, you don't ever ask a woman what size they wear. Please don't do that ever again. And in that moment, I was, I was shocked and, and I was left feeling uh, a little bit foolish. Um, ladies, I'm asking for forgiveness right now if I've ever asked you for your size. Um, men in this room, please learn from my example. Please learn from my foolishness. H have you ever found yourself in that spot? Please tell me I'm not alone. We're like in the spot, you step in it. it. This is very foolish. And man, I wish I had just thought that through. Right now, I'm praying for wisdom and how I can pour into our small group leaders as we get ready to kick off our ministry, how I can encourage them and equip them to do the ministry that they've been called to. My wife and I are, are praying about what decisions we need to make about our kids schooling in the fall. And, and, and right now I'm also praying to God that he would just lead me and guide me in, in, in ways that I can be a light for him in a world that just seems so very, very dark. These are things that I'm wrestling with right now. And I know many of us, if not all of us, are wrestling with these same questions or we have questions of our own that we need wisdom for. And, and these verses in the psalm have been a real encouragement to me as, as I've kind of prepared this message, and I love how God has shepherded my heart with him. In verse 1, like, God doesn't mess around. He gets right to the point, and he, and he tells us that there is evil there is wrongdoing in this world. He never skips that part of our story. There's never any uncertainty hanging there. There is wickedness in our world, and he tells us it's going to be hard, and at times it's going to seem very unfair. We've seen senseless murder occurring uh, all over cities throughout our country. We've seen um, terrorists hijack planes and fly them into buildings, murdering thousands. Sexual immorality is running wild in our culture via pornography. There, there's children being kidnapped and sold into sexual slavery. And there's theft, not just of material things, but also of our identities. We don't, we don't have to look very far to see this playing out all around us. When we look at social media, when we look at our news, uh, we may even be touched by this in our families. We might find ourselves asking the question, when will the wicked fall, Lord? Or, or why do you let them succeed at all? And, and the first point that I want to share with you out of this text is that while wickedness exists, it has no future. While wickedness exists, it has no future. Proverbs 24, 19 says this, Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked. 
Sounds familiar, right? It's, it's almost verbatim to wor- verse 1. So, so write, write Proverbs 24, 19, write in your Bible, right there by verse 1. It's okay, I'm giving you permission to, to write in your Bible. In the advice, fret not yourself, and when you break down that Hebrew verb, it means do not get heated. Okay, so, so do not get heated. Do not let the evil and wickedness that exists in this world gnaw at you. Do not let it make you anxious. And that, com- that command, um, standing alone, is nice, but it's not like a, a huge encouragement all by itself, right? It's like me coming to small group one night, and, and I'm really struggling with this sin, and I'm pouring my heart out to, to a guy in my small group, and, and after I'm done, I look at him, and he looks at me and just says, well, stop doing that. Like, that's not super helpful. But God doesn't stop there. He goes further and says in verse 2, they will soon fade like the grass. They do not have a future. And this is true of everything that's rooted in time and not eternity. There is coming a day when the wicked will be judged by God, and he will deal righteously with it, ending it for all time. There's encouragement here that God is just, and God is faithful, and God is working and making everything right through his son, Jesus Christ. The evil and wrongdoing in this world is a result of our sin problem, right? Going way back to Genesis 3 where all of this started. This sin problem cannot be solved in our own strength. It cannot be solved with the latest theory. It can only be solved with the gospel. Our our pastors have said this before, and I'm just going to repeat it now. We don't have a political problem. We don't have a social justice problem. We have a sin problem. And the only way to get to the root of our sin problem is dealing with the issues in our heart, like getting in there and weeding out the idolatry, weeding out the sin, and finding where Jesus is in our heart. You know what the Bible says about our hearts, right? Trust your feelings. Go exactly where your heart leads you. No, that's not at all what the Bible says. Jeremiah tells us that our hearts are deceitful above all things and wicked. It cannot be trusted. Our feelings cannot be trusted. We need to make the choice to be obedient to God, to what he calls us to be obedient to, no matter where you find yourself, whether you're a husband, whether you're a wife, a mother, a father, a teenager. We cannot address our sin issue without humbling ourselves first, confessing it to God and to one another, and in repentance, turning away from our sin, right? We seek his word and strive to take those steps of obedience that would glorify him against the advice to hide our feelings from others, to isolate ourselves from the word and, and, and to sit in that, that we would invite people into our lives so that they could pray for us, so that they could point us to Jesus and encourage us in our struggle, that they would help us to grow in aligning our hearts with his, that we would find comfort and peace and hope in knowing he has paid the debt we owe through his sacrifice on the cross. In a world riddled with sin, we can experience joy, we can experience peace through Christ, no matter what circumstance we face. And it, and it can't be solved again by aligning ourselves with a political party. Our sin problem has already been solved by Jesus. And I get it. Listen, when you, when you look around and you, and you see the news and you see where our culture is heading, it's going to feel unnatural. We're going to feel like we're swimming upstream, but we need Jesus and our world needs Jesus. And while God promises that evil and wrongdoing, wrongdoing have no future, they will wither and fade away, he gives us the assurance that our future is an eternity with him in heaven. 
right? John, John 3.16 says this so clearly. You could probably say this verse back to me, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. As we face difficult times, as we see evil and injustice in our world, it's so important to keep this eternal perspective. Our hope is not in our experience here on earth. Please don't put your hope on your spouse or on your kids or in your parents. They will fail you and it will crush them. Fight against the temptation to give in to the guilt and the shame of our sin. Again, kind of putting in the spot where we find ourselves alone. Fight against the offenses brought against us by the evil in our world. That's right where Satan wants us. He wants us alone and hurting. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Our hope is in what's to come through our faith in Jesus Christ. But listen, I get it. We, we can't just stop and, and turn off our obsession with evil and wrongdoing. And in verses 3 through 6, we're going to see um, God tell us that we need to be deliberate in focusing our attention on Jesus. As a, as a soul care counselor here at our church, as, as a small group leader, I, I've been taught now I have the opportunity to teach others that if we're to turn away from the sin in our lives, we need to put something holy on in its place. We like to use this phrase, put off and put on. Many of you have heard this, and, 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 and Paul writes about this in Ephesians 4. In, in Ephesians 4, verse 20, he says, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. To put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So, so we're to replace sinful thoughts and actions with, with things that are holy, right? Maybe that's putting off the pride in our life and putting on the humility in our life. And for me, it might look like um, a week at work and coming home from church after worshiping with all of you. And I, and I just want to sit on the couch and put my feet up and watch the Detroit Lions. Okay, any of the Lions fans in here? We, we know that that ends badly, right? And so, so pray for me and my family as, as I raise Lions fans. Okay, we just know that doesn't go well. But um, I, I want to sit there and I want to watch the game. And maybe one of my kids comes to me and said, uh, hey, Dad, do you want to play video games? Dad, do you want to go fishing? Or, or Dad, can we, can we go make cup, cupcakes? And I, and I immediately get irritated, right? Because you're interrupting my time. This is my time to sit up and do what I want to do. Or maybe, maybe it's my wife coming to me and, and, and wanting to talk to me, and I'm just too preoccupied with myself to put down my phone or turn off the TV and look her in the eye when she's talking to me. It's in these moments I need to put off my pride, right? I need to put off what is sinful and put on humility to honor and glorify God. God blesses these small acts. Even, the, even those small things, they might seem small, they might seem silly, like God blesses those things. When I, when I humble myself and I go do some things with my kids or when I talk to my wife, I feel more connected to them. I feel closer to my wife when we talk. And listen, when I blow it, hear, hear me, when I blow it, because I do, I do all the time. I again get the opportunity to confess my sin, to repent, put off my pride and humbly ask my wife and my kids to forgive me. 
in verse 4, we see that um, we're told to delight in the Lord. The antidote for fretting um, is to delight in God. The antidote for fretting, for the anxiety we feel or the fear that can grow in us because of our lack of control is to delight in God. So, so can I ask you this? When was the last time that you delighted in the Lord? When was the last time you kind of took some time away from everything and sat there with God, either praying to him and, and asking him to grow you and change you or, or meditating on his word, letting it speak to your heart? And, and, I, and I think it's so important. We need to pay attention to the order of what God's communicating here. Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I mean, I get this backwards all the time. It's so easy for me to delight in the Lord after I've been given the desires of my heart, but God's saying, no, no, no. You need to come to me first, and then the blessing follows. When he's the priority, the blessing follows. Listen, gathering here together this morning, like I, I pray that you feel encouraged. I feel that, that, that the spirit is moving, and this is just a really great time for you to connect with the Lord and grow in your faith. God has filled my heart with love and thankfulness as, as we get to meet together now. And I really do believe that's the blessing that comes from making church a priority. That's the blessing when we get and we said, hey, we're, we're going to be there. We're going to go worship. We're going to go be with God's people. And the blessing that follows is the love and encouragement. Don't we all know that our day goes so much better when we get up and we humble ourselves, we drop to our knees and we pray or we get in God's word, right? Those days go so much better than when I sleep in a little late take a quick shower, grab that cup of coffee, start knocking out my to-do list without ever having considered my soul. It gives me great joy to spend time with him and it gives me strength and endurance when I face uncertain times. Like those, those, those days come and it's so good that God provides for me in those moments. I desire peace, I desire comfort and God delivers over and over again when my focus is on him. We should delight in Jesus. Take a look at verse 5 with me. It says, uh, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Uh, again, remember I told you this is a wisdom song. We see another connection here in verse 5 to Proverbs. Proverbs 16.3, okay? Go ahead and write Proverbs 16.3 right next to verse 5. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The next point I want to share with you is, is committing our way to God must be spirit-driven. It cannot be drummed up or created in our own strength. It must be spirit-driven. Much like the, the wind propel, fills a sail and propels a boat through the water, the, the spirit is what gives us our power. It's what, lead us, what leads us. Galatians 5 verses 16 through 17 say, But I say, walk by the spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. John 6, 63 goes on and says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. So, so you might ask, what, 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 what does that look like? An, an example of committing my way to the Lord, um, I think of what would it look like for me to trust God with my career path? 
What would it look like for me to, to trust God with my work? Many of us have aspirations to, to climb the corporate ladder, right, as fast as we can. Some of you may have aspirations to, to own your own business. Some of you, your desire is to, is to raise kids in a, a home, in, in, a, in a home that's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. This, this verse, this, this promise has been such a great reminder for me in this season that I can't accomplish anything professionally apart from the Lord. I've experienced a high level of success in sales. I've experienced great things in, in, in working in ministry and been left feeling tired, been left feeling empty spiritually and emotionally because I was doing it in Marty's strength. I, I was doing it apart from the Lord and it broke me down. I had not committed everything to him. It, and it took people that loved me, okay, to, to speak truth into my life. And in, and in hearing that, humbly confess, like, hey, I'm not doing some things right. I need to refocus my work life and entrust that to God. Whatever he has laid out for me there, I need to focus on him. And then just trust, as verse 5 says, trust in his timing that he will act. We can't make anything happen for ourselves apart from God. We cannot do it in our own strength. This, this focus, this refocus on God um, and on the Spirit, being driven by the Spirit, brought so much peace into my life, and it really brought some peace into our family. God blessed this refocus on Him. Are we praying and asking for the Spirit to move us in committing our way to the Lord? Man, we need to be. We need to be praying to God to fill us with the Spirit. We need to be asking for these things. Are we thinking about the things that stir our affections for Jesus? Like when you think of those things that stir your affections for Jesus, you might have to build a list, but think about them, write them down, and then fill your schedule with those things. Watch God move as the Spirit leads you. And, and remember, while you're, fill, while, while you're filling your schedule with things that stir your affections for Jesus, you're also robbing <laughs> your schedule, the things that, that rob your uh, affections for Jesus. You're taking those things out of your schedule. Lastly, in verse 6, it says, He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. In this lifetime, many of us have felt or will feel the need to fight for our reputation, to fight for justice for not only ourselves, but others that we care about, others that we love. And, and my caution, but also my encouragement to you in this verse is that we would rest in God's judgment, that we would rest in God's judgment. I don't, I don't know about you, but I can quickly place myself in the seat of judge when I, when I look at injustice or if a friend or family member's been hurt um, and, and treated poorly, and I can, I can very quickly jump headfirst in this sin pool, um, proclaiming guilt, handing out consequences, I can quickly rationalize how someone is wrong or guilty without simply just taking the time to pray for wisdom and ask God to lead me and guide me through whatever's happening. God is just because of sin, I'm not. Because of sin, we are not. Psalm 25.8 says this, God is fair, God is just. He corrects the misdirected, he sends them in the right direction. Our God is just, like we know, we, we, we have that promise. We can rely on the fact that he's working everything out for our good and his glory. We're so quick to see others as misdirected, right? We're so quick to see others as wrong, those who might sin against us, but we need to realize that we can also be misdirected. 
And we need God also to lovingly send us in the right direction. Romans 5.3 says that not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Whatever injustice is bothering you in this season, whatever trial, whatever wickedness is against you, please know that God sees it. Please know that that God sees it and he will give you the strength to endure it or he has the power to change the circumstance completely. Our God is with us in the mess. He promises that to us here. So, so, So being the small group pastor, if you're in small group or if you're a small group leader, you know that we like to be really intentional, right? We like to uh, understand and, and, and the things that we're learning, we want to be really intentional in applying those things into our lives. So I want to um, get practical with these verses and leave you with a couple of ways that you can be intentional. How can we delight in this season? How can we trust the Lord with our work, with our reputation? How can we trust that our God is just? And, and, and I've got two ways for how we can delight in God. The first is that we would remember God's faithfulness. Remember God's faithfulness. My prayer is that many of us can look at seasons in our lives where, where we saw God just show up and do some amazing things. Maybe we were down and out and God kind of picked us up and dusted us off and kind of sent us in a new direction with him. Maybe we were heading for destruction like taking our family with us. And God lovingly leveled us to a place of humility where we're faced with a decision. Am I going to continue to do this my way or am I going to give it all to Jesus? That's my story. That's my testimony. And I can remember God's faithfulness in my life even when I was rebelling against him. See, so for the first 36 years of my life, Marty was very much on the throne. And I surrounded myself with people who thought I was awesome and and, and I chased after the things that I thought were going to make me happy. I I, I went hard after money. I went hard after the next new nicest car. I went hard after the biggest house. I was very much worshiping me. And it's easy for me to look back and see all the things that I thought would make me happy didn't. And I grew restless and I grew impatient and I chased after those things harder. And God lovingly brought me to a place where I couldn't take one more step without him, without one more step without confessing my need for him. And so listen, you you, you gotta understand that when I'm chasing after this, when I have this mindset, you can understand like my marriage doing well or not. No, we we were struggling. And and, and my wife and I um, jumped into soul care and, and we started having people open God's word and speak truth into our life. And some of these things started to, to ring true to me. Like God was, God was doing something in my heart, but I wasn't ready to let go of being king of my life. So I do what a lot of people do, like when, when they've got to make that choice, right? Like I'm going I'm to wrestle with Jesus. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go toe-to-toe with him. I'm going to see like, hey, maybe I still get to be king and, and I'm going to prove that, that he doesn't deserve to be king in my life, not knowing that I was already pinned. And after um, one more argument with my wife, I, I kind of dropped to my knees in my living room one night and confessed my life or, or gave my life to Christ. I was no prize. My life had been chock full of sinful decisions and consuming people for my gain and for my happiness, and God met me there. 
he met me there, and I felt him say, come to me, and I will give you rest. I was blown away that he cared that much about me. God is faithful. At the same time, God's moving in my heart, right? I see God start to move in my wife's heart, right? And she rededicates her life to the Lord, and she begins chasing after God. And as we're doing that together, you can see, like, like we, we, come, we come together. And I experienced a oneness in my marriage that I had not felt in the first 10 years of doing life together. We were communicating better, not perfectly, but, but growing in that. We were making parenting decisions together. We were making financial decisions together. It was a radical transformation that really blessed us. And, and while Dawn and I put Jesus first, um, we got to see our kids start to look at Jesus. And we got to see them have their own personal relationship with the Lord. And man, that gives me great joy to know that my kids know who Jesus is and know that they have that relationship with him. Our marriage isn't perfect. Please, please don't hear me say that my, my marriage is perfect. It's not. Dawn will confess to that as well but it is growing, and we have Jesus at the center of it. God is so faithful. When I remember God's faithfulness, I think of my dad, Marty Sr. He was a great dad. He was my best friend, and, and in a lot of ways, prior to my salvation, he held first place in my life, and I don't know this to be a fact, but I, but I have a feeling I held a pretty high priority in his life as well. But after giving my life to Christ, our relationship changed. We, we had some difficult conversations. My dad couldn't quite understand the, the changes that were happening in my life, and I'm sure he was heartbroken by some of the things. See, I was struggling to get my circles of stewardship in order, God first, then my wife, then my kids, and, and my dad saw himself kind of dropping down the scale in importance. We had difficult conversations. We didn't see each other as much for a season, but he was always supportive, always supportive. Even when I left a medical, a successful medical sales job to, to become the small group pastor at the church that I love. And um, uh, over several years, I, I just prayed for my dad to make Jesus the, the, the thing in his life, to make Jesus the priority in his life. And in um, the summer of 2018, my dad started coming to Harvest. And he started coming with my stepmom and my little sister. And, um, you know, he started worshiping with you. And he started to, to, to read God's word with you. And, and I remember having a conversation with him a few weeks after he started. And he's like, I don't know what's going on, but God is like pulling on my heartstrings. Like there's, there's something really weird going on in me and I can't quite figure it out, but something's happening. Um, and shortly after that, he began to serve. And, and one of the greatest joys in my dad's life was to serve here at this church. He was on the security team, and he loved making sure all of you were safe, and he loved talking with you each and every weekend. And, and, and after a few weeks of serving, I have another conversation with my dad. And he goes, you know what, Marty, I've been kind of a schmuck. Like, this, this was a giftedness of my dad. He had some very unique language, and he had great nicknames for people that were funny but also super endearing. And I don't know if you know what a schmuck is. We don't hear that word often. It's a fool. It's a contemptible person, and, my, and I love my dad with all my heart. I never considered him a schmuck, but, but what I was seeing is that my dad was humbling himself. This larger-than-life personality, this, this guy who loved talking with people, this successful real estate agent was saying, hey, I need help. And I get really, really excited, and he plugs into a small group, and, and he starts to grow and change in ways that only the Lord can do. He, he allows people into his life, and he begins pouring into others' life. It wasn't about him anymore. He had made it about Jesus. And he went so far in, in, February 20, uh, in February of 2019 to get baptized at our church. 
And what a great moment to be with him in the tank as he professed his love for the Lord in his testimony, in his own words, saying, hey, at 68 years of age, it's never too late to come to Jesus. So awesome. My dad would be called home just a few months later unexpectedly, and as heartbreaking as that was, as hard as that has been for our family over the last couple of years, there is tremendous peace and comfort knowing that my dad is with the Lord. God is so faithful. One other way that we can... um, delight or trust in the Lord in this season is to focus on his truth, to focus on his truth. Um, I've had the opportunity to spend several years at our church um, teaching a large group at Harvest Kids. And, And every week I gather with your kiddos, we open God's word and we talk about that God's word is always true. 100% words I'm using here. I remind them of that, that God always keeps his promises. We need to be connected to the Lord through his truth, sustained by his promises so that we can be encouraged in difficult seasons. Be intentional about spending time in God's word. Like I know people here who are writing out the Bible. They're writing out books of the Bible. I know people who are working on memorizing entire books of the Bible. It doesn't have to be that hard or or that high a level. Man, start with one verse. Start with one verse and have that on your heart, in your mind. Make that a discipline in your life. Talk to yourself with God's word rather than listening to everything that's coming at us from our culture, from from maybe uh, non-believers, from all of the things that are going on. Have God's word close to your heart and on your mind so that you can talk to yourself with his truth. Don't let your feelings be the truth that guides you. Let it be his word. God promises God promises to give us all we need to get through each day. God promises to never leave or forsake us. Isaiah 41.10 says this. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Joshua 1.9, another verse that's been such an encouragement to our family. This is one that, that we've memorized at home, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Even as I read these verses to you now, I hope they give you encouragement. I hope you're encouraged by God's truth and his promises. I hope they fill your heart with delight for the Lord. That's happening in my heart right now. We need to remember God's faithfulness and we need to focus on his truth. Now listen, I know some of you are freaking out right now, right? There's, there's some blanks missing at the top. I haven't, I haven't shared the big idea with you, and, and I kind of did that on purpose just to see some of the looks on your face, but uh, I, I'm not going to leave that blank empty, empty for you. The big idea today is when God is the priority, I can fully experience his security. When, when God is the priority, I can fully experience his security. Do not fret about the evildoers in this season. They have no future. My hope is you would leave here encouraged that God is present and God is welcoming to you. His arms are open wide to all of you in this room today. He sees your circumstance and he's right there with you in the good and in the bad. Those who are in Christ do have a future. We do. We have a a beautiful future. 
in eternity with Jesus where there's no more sin, there's no more suffering, just a constant overflowing of his love and his grace. We should, we should have to carry the guilt and the shame for our sin. We should have to pay a penalty. But the beautiful truth is we don't. That's been paid for. That, that debt has been paid. The debt for our sin has been paid by his blood on the cross. We can rejoice in that. Rejoice in that this morning. First Peter 5 tells us to, to cast our anxiety on him. Cast all your anxiety, all your worry, all your frustration on him. Jesus can handle it because Jesus has overcome it. Fix your eyes on the Lord. He wants you to come to him. He's welcoming you into his family because he cares for you so much. He cares for you so much that he laid everything down. Even his own life to save you and rescue you from your sin. That's our God. That's our Savior. He wants to bring you into relationship with him. And he wants to replace your fear, your anxiety, your despair with joy with peace and with hope. Let's pray. God, I'm so, um, I'm so thankful for this time here today. It's time to, to get together and to open your word and to hear your truth. And God, I pray that, that right now um, this message would speak so true to us. God, I pray that it would go right to our heart. And God, I pray that, that, that many of us who would be struggling with, with where you rank in our life, God, that would really consider that and just, just put all of the worries, all of the cares, all of the anxiousness aside and, and, and give that to you. I pray that we would take steps of obedience this week to honor and glorify you. God, we praise you and we worship you in this place and in this moment. We're so thankful for the future that we have with you. I love the promise that, that wickedness and sin, it does not have a future. Our hope is in what's to come in the future that you've given us. I pray that that would give us hope, that that would encourage us and sustain us in no matter what circumstance we face. God, you are so good. And we thank you for your love, your grace, the compassion that you show each and every one of us. We love you. Pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.